in this week's episode, I talk about Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, three years late to the party, but lots of things to praise, but surprising number of things that I had issues with the game. So really interested to hear what you guys think. Uh, I have that, plus a news roundup, uh, lots going on, a new controller from Sony and the PlayStation 5, all that and more on today's Gameplay Pod. Hello friends, I hope you're keeping well uh, indoors or uh, in your gardens or otherwise looking out on this glorious uh, Easter weekend. I'm Giles, Giles Wentwest on Twitter, Xbox Live and PlayStation Network. Uh, feel free to add me, uh, I am very happy to rediscover multiplayer gaming. Uh, you might know I'm more of a single player guy myself normally, but uh, yeah, really uh, enjoying reconnecting with people over uh, over gaming over these very very odd times. Uh, in today's episode I wanted to cover um, my thoughts on Horizon Zero Dawn which I've been playing for probably getting on for a month now. Um, finished it uh, last week or so um, and yeah as the trail probably uh, suggested to you I was not quite as impressed as I was expecting to be. Um, obviously three years late to the party so that makes a big difference I think and so uh, that's part of what I wanted to talk about but um, yeah keen to get your feedback so if you uh, agree or don't agree with what I'm about to uh, talk about then uh, either way I'm really keen to hear from you. Uh, in addition we've still got a news roundup so uh, up to now I've been mainly focused on news and next generation. It wasn't really the plan, I mean as the name of the pod suggests, um, this really was supposed to be a chance for me to talk about games that I was playing and how I, how I found them, so that is definitely the plan going forward to be um, focusing each time on uh, some games that I'm uh, enjoying or maybe not enjoying quite so much, but um, I will always still have a news roundup and we do that again today. So with that in mind, on with the rest of the show and I will catch you for the wrap-up. So yeah, inspired by the uh, three-year anniversary of the game and uh, the fact that we've obviously all got a fair bit of time on our hands at the moment, uh, I spent the past month or so exploring Horizon Zero Dawn. So uh, yeah, kind of late to the party, but um, I'd heard so much, so many good things about it that um, I've been meaning to play for for quite some time and it's um, exactly the sort of game that really should be right up my alley. Um, great reviews, you know, single player action packed sort of game. Um, didn't turn out quite like that to be honest, um, which I thought was interesting um, and hopefully is interesting and so I was going to run through my thoughts. And first off, you know, let's get this out of the way nice and early. Horizon Zero Dawn is a very good game. You know, I'm not coming on here to uh, kind of diss it or uh, try and get um, kind of controversy going, uh, start the flame wars once more. Um, but um, it definitely wasn't the game I was expecting. And um, I would class it, if I had to review it, I'd go very good rather than great. Um, I think there were some real strengths in there and uh, I can see why other people enjoyed it so much but for me some of the kind of uh, niggles of the game and, and annoyances really really started to grind on me over time so uh, let's start with what I did like about it. Um, 
love the character so Aloy is I think a, a really good character really interesting believable fierce um, and her sort of kind of motivation and her quest and her backstory really grabbed me so I enjoyed that a lot and uh, I think Aloy is one of the real strengths of the game uh, in addition to that I think the world you know the world that Gorilla have built um, was really intriguing I love the style um, and the sort of match of the natural world and the and the machines um, really kind of piqued my interest early on and um, it looks fantastic so uh, I started off playing on a, a 4k HDR TV um, which um, it just you know blew me away considering it's three years old now as well really really beautiful game and really um it added to me to the sense of immersion and the, the sort of wonder um the sense of kind of awe and scale of the world was really impressive and obviously the way that it's designed as well with some areas of um you know really bright colors and light um it just um yeah it just really stands out on an hdr display um because of lockdown i'm now uh in a different location and, and playing on a slightly less good tv still hd but no uh no 4k no hdr it still looks great um but yeah i'm slightly sad that uh about the second half of my playthrough i uh i ended up downgrading a little bit but you know can't complain still got everything still got my health still got my uh, entertainment and uh yeah that's going to be the last time i'm going to grumble about this at all um, I think the the third thing and and you know lots of reviewers have, have highlighted now I've gone back and looked at them um, the combat in Horizon is just really really good I mean I uh, I'm not a fan of hunting um, in real life by any means um, and you know when it came to sort of hunting down little real little critters that was uh, yeah that felt a little bit wrong to be honest but um, the sort of the core mechanic of hunting and you know sort of from the start where you're uh, kind of creeping around trying to find uh, ways to sort of uh, planning out your your attacks and trying to find stealthy ways to to sort of get an advantage um, really really fun and then followed by obviously um, some pretty um, pretty incredible um, adrenaline filled battles really yeah, especially you know if you found yourself outnumbered or up against one of the the harder kind of robo creatures um with uh with little health um yeah that was my heart was definitely pumping so really you know really impressive there and um i definitely don't want to downplay the strengths of the game because i thought there were um those three really you know aloy and her, her quest the world and how it looked and then the combat you know that's a big part of the game so um yeah not bad by any means but let's get to my complaints now yeah, because you know, for all the um, for all the acclaim the games received, and you know, as much as I did enjoy it, um, the, I found Horizon Zero Dawn so frustrating um, in many ways, actually. And and for me, you know, it's, it's it's obviously a different type of game to to something like God of War or uh, Last of Us or uh, Uncharted. You know, it's a much more open game. Um, but I think quite a few of my issues came from um, that sort of that style and you know maybe I'd done too well to avoid the um, you know avoiding spoilers I maybe avoided too much about the game because perhaps it just wasn't quite my sort of thing but I just found it mainly just so video gamey 
you know, it was one of, for me, one of the most, yeah, sort of gamey titles that I've played in a long time. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of kind of believable, tight narrative in particular. Um, and um, I don't know if it was my, you know, incorrect expectations or maybe the way the game was marketed or just the, you know, the pedigree of, of Sony first party titles. Um, but that, that video gamey nature really jarred against my expectations and also I thought jarred against the world, you know. Here you've got this um, this living, breathing and mostly believable sort of fantasy world that that Gorilla had, had clearly, you know, crafted with love. Um, but then to have all the sort of the trappings of um, yeah, the, the sort of uh, stats and busy maps and let's get to those things in a second but you know, it, just, it just really took me out of it and I thought it was a shame because for me um, immersing yourself in that sort of world would, would have been a lot more fun, it would have been easier um, had it not been for these different elements um, and of those elements you know I think some of them are the reasons why I've I've kind of switched off from the Ubisoft games over the last few years. You know, the Assassin's Creed, the Far Cry's, that sort of thing. Um, because you know, take the the map. You know, once you're once you're unlocked, and it's it's a really you know it's a big game world that that they've created, but it's so so busy. Um, you pull up the map, and you know, without any filters on it, and it's just full of icons, and and you know most of those are sort of just telling you kind of you know this is where these sorts of animals are this is where a quest is this sort of thing um you don't necessarily have to you know have to follow but um it's very it just felt very prescriptive and, and took away the kind of mystery you know i like the idea these the fact that these animals who you know they're robots but they they seemingly have um What's the word I'm looking for? You know, they're seemingly sentient and have uh, have kind of um, maybe not minds of their own, but you know, motivation. Um, and yet, you know, the map tells you quite clearly that if you go here, you're going to find this monster. If you go here, you're going to find these monsters. And and the idea that everyone stays in their box and in their place, I thought was really um, really just took me out of it. Um, I also just find that you know the huge number of kind of collector quests and side quests um, and, and the icons for those they always kind of annoy me as well you know I have enough of that kind of over I think they call it a stuffication you know just too much information and too many different things to do I find that quite um, well just to turn off it, it reminds me of you know it reminds me of my email inbox uh, work rather than kind of fun and um, it very much felt like you know go here do this uh, collect these things and for me you know screw that um, but you know thinking about something like Assassin's Creed I mean the first um, the first tool neck I encountered in Horizon really really enjoyed that you know um, real sense of awe and, and wonder and you know scaling up that first tall neck and sort of um, you know some brilliant animations as well including the slightly over the top uh, kind of abseil down or not abseil what is it um, yeah that anyway you know jumping off and, and sort of sliding down um, at the start I thought that was that was really cool but then it just became clear to me that they, these were the towers you know these were 
exactly the sort of um, facsimile of the of the towers in Far Cry or the sort of information points, the eagle points in uh, Assassin's Creed. And um, yeah, that first experience, I just never felt that again. You know, there's not many of them. I think there were less than 10, actually, fewer than 10 in the whole game, but they all felt very um, transaction-y to me. You know, you, you saw them the first the first time you saw a tall neck and you really wanted to climb up it. For me, the second time and certainly the final time, um, and I think I did climb them all in the end, um, it just felt like a... You know, I need to tick this box so that I can kind of see the area. And um, again, in terms of the mechanics, you know, from starting off trying to find a path up uh, both to the tall neck and then up, up to its um, up to its uh, head, um, the remaining times just it just felt the same. Um, I didn't think they they mixed that up enough and. To me, you know, I think that sort of talks to some of the general points in the game that um, it felt like they had some great ideas, but that over the course of what is a massive game, um, those ideas were just repeated and repeated too often. Um, one thing that Horizon, I thought, did introduce, and I can't remember, maybe this is an Assassin's Creed thing again, you know, not, I think the last one I played was what was it probably oof, unity um so the one set in, in paris i do have syndicate i keep meaning to play that but um i've not gone into the new style but maybe it's the same um but yeah the horizon navigate uh, navigation marker just um <laughs> really annoyed me uh it just felt like i was being led on a really short leash and and you know especially if i'd um got a task to go and do something the other side of the map um, you know the fact that it was in some cases was kind of walking me down to a, a crossroads about 50 meters away and then left at that crossroads again 50 meters away when I you know in a in a big open natural world I could have just gone straight across that corner and I think um, I adjusted to that a little bit but this idea and this very um, intrusive um, sign that you were being you know you were playing a game again um, that um, did not really sit well with me and, and didn't really make me feel like I was um, on an epic adventure it felt like I was you know being given sort of 50 meter sprints here and there which um, you know good for exercise but not much good for fun um, and then the last thing on this sort of uh, aspect the gamey aspect of, of the world you know as I said I think um, Gorilla have done a great job building a um, a massive world really and um, the first time I went from uh, sort of uh, what's it called the first area anyway where it's um, more sort of um, I don't know how to describe it really you, you kind of get into a more sort of jungly type area um, and then navigate your way through to what is what is the desert and um, again it felt very much like video game levels you know and, and for something that's so open that the transition between those levels um and the you know clearly it felt like they were um you know designed as as kind of different areas to give you some variety but again that felt like a game decision uh, as opposed to um you know something consistent with that world you know this idea that you would um kind of navigate your way from um from one type of uh, sort of vegetation and take kind of 10 steps down a hill and suddenly you're in a, a blistering desert and with, with kind of different monsters 
again just kind of felt to me very video gamey and um, yeah I, I got tired of that quite quickly uh, I thought it was a shame I can understand why they did it but um, for me if you've if you've built this um, sort of believable world that you know is, is big but is certainly all within you know walking distance running distance you wouldn't expect to to travel through those sorts of different environments quite so close by so again maybe it was just a personal thing but it, as I was sort of checking backwards and forwards across the map that really started to annoy me and speaking of trekking, I did a lot of it. Um, you know, they, they've built this world. Uh, they're clearly very proud of it. They want you to explore it. And uh, sure, you can, uh, you know, you can commandeer uh, one of the kind of local uh, local robo monsters uh, to, uh, to to make the journey quicker. You know, hop on the back of a, a trusty steed of various descriptions. Um, but I didn't feel that sped things up too much um, and I particularly later on you know the missions very much felt like they were positioned at opposite sides of the uh, of the map really just to get you to to kind of schlep all your way across um, across a, a long distance and, and certainly as I was you know deep into the game you know hours and hours into the game uh, I really didn't need to to trek um, across the map just to start a mission and then track all the way back across the map just to tell someone that I'd, I'd completed uh, whatever task they had given to me so I think that was there to try and encourage you to kind of uh, stop and you know smell the, the virtual roses along the way and, and get into fights and stuff but um, as I say particularly as I get towards the end of a game and, and a long game at that um, I really just want to get to the resolution you know personally I, I want to move on to the next title but also from a character perspective it just feels like they would have more urgency and, and be keen to um, keen to, to find out the secrets that are lying in wait in that world um, you can fast travel I should point out you know I, I did fast travel um, in case you're listening thinking uh, you know you can avoid that yeah you can and I did and the only the only thing I'd say about that is that um, from the, the fast travel I found myself towards the end um, quite underpowered for some of the uh, some of the big sort of set pieces um, you know looking at the sort of recommended level uh, that you needed to uh, to take on some of the some of the bigger um, enemies towards the end um, and I think that was entirely down to the fact that I had fast traveled you know I'd, I'd sort of tended to avoid combat I felt like I'd really enjoyed it, but that by the uh, as you approach the end, I was I was ready to just get to the next uh, story mission, and so I did fast travel. But I think that was uh, again part caused me a bit of a problem actually. And I think it was probably during that grinding period that you know Horizon dropped a, a star or half a star for me. You know I think I really lost uh, lost patience at that point. I'd been um, I'd been playing for. 30 40 hours i guess um and uh, sort of starting exploring this world with this sense of kind of awe and excitement at the combat to, to something that felt just very much rinse and repeat um you know the the combat mechanic that i'd really enjoyed before was became a real leap and a grind you know kind of gather gather materials kind of craft something scout your enemy fight in my case, run out of ammo, swear, die, reload, start again, gather, craft, restock this time, you know, get more ammo lined up, well done, 
scout fight. Kind of argue with the button mapping, which I also found really frustrating, you know, um, particularly on the bowing, you know, if you could um, fail to release the bow in the, in the right combination of, of buttons, I found that uh, very easy to end up um, messing up but maybe that's you know maybe that's reflective of, of trying to be an archer I'm certainly no good in real life either um, and then you know remembering to to try and pick off some of the side missions just to just to break it up really you know I was I was grinding through those battles uh, for quite a while towards the end so I'd go off and do the side missions and there was a reason I'd not done so many of them before I think you know it was either more hunting, which you know sort of defeated the purpose of variety, um, or you know these these missions where you would be given a task and use your your focus ability, and and you'd get this lit up trail that you'd then have to fly, follow to the next kind of waypoint. And surprise, surprise, most of those then ended with a fight as well. So um, that really, um, yeah, that really started to. Um, start to annoy me towards the end of the game because I think um, with a bit more invention and a bit more variety in the world um, you know maybe even less in terms of uh, quantity but just more quality I think that would have um, made a big difference for me and maybe retained that final star and instead really as I kind of approached uh, Horizon's uh, sort of final credits I think I'd lost quite a lot of the momentum I had in, in Aloy's quest you know I started off by saying that the uh, the you know Aloy as a character and her sort of motivation were one of the real strengths of the game but I think uh, you know had the game been a, a tighter sort of shorter experience um, then you know that that intrigue and that excitement would have been um, much higher in my uh, in my kind of thoughts as I as I got towards the the end um, as it was it felt a bit ploddy to be honest and um, I was just as keen to to play something else um, as I was to to find out the sort of mysteries of the world and it didn't help you know once you start feeling a bit like that you know I really started noticing that the dialogue was was pretty cheesy at points you know the the sort of style of conversations where you just stood there watching faces you know it can work I, I enjoyed something like a uh, outer worlds where you know you spend a lot of time just just watching a, another character talk but um the dialogue has to be really really on point um and i didn't think in horizon it managed to do that you know um some of the uh, some of the sort of what people were saying was, was pretty sort of clunky and cliche and also you know the names of the characters the names of you know uh some of the kind of um what are they kind of world building uh, not monsters but you know machines and um, I just felt they were so on the nose that it, it, it kind of it, it kind of didn't work for me I, I still love the concept um, but just the delivery was was a bit off for me um, and that means that you know despite owning the complete ed edition you know I, I downloaded it uh, on PlayStation when it was on sale and um, I really have little to no desire unfortunately to, to go into the frozen worlds um, and yeah I say unfortunately but honestly it's a bit of a relief because you know I've got a horrendous backlog of games or rather a, a great selection of games I'm trying to uh, look at things in a more positive light there you know I've got this this incredible buffet of, of titles that I can go and play and actually you know 
once I'd hit the end of this game, I, I really felt like uh, I'd kind of seen enough. You know, Frozen Worlds looks fun, and I've heard that it's uh, an extra challenge and, and really kind of, uh, again, really pretty, particularly in, in HDR. But um, yeah, I just feel like I'm kind of done at this point, and uh, I think that's a bit of a shame. And it's also, you know, it's also strange because although I didn't love it, you know, Horizon's clearly a really good game. You know, the the basic kind of building blocks of the game are great fun. And I do wonder, you know, I came into this three years late um, and having heard so much about it, you know, great reviews, lots of gamers recommending it, saying it's it's one of their favourites of the generation. And, you know, the sales have been incredible too. So. I do wonder, you know, if I'd have played this game earlier and maybe had um, hadn't had quite such high expectations, uh, would I have found it differently? You know, would I now be would I now be looking forward to the sequel in the way that um, you know everyone else seems to be? And I don't know. I just thought that was a, a kind of interesting point to consider, um, and it's the reason I I kind of wrote about this for Jump Cut. Um, it should go up this weekend, hopefully. Um, it's, what is it? It's kind of Easter weekend as I'm recording this, so um, a piece similar to this should go up on Jump Cut. Um, but it's also why I thought it was interesting to, to feature it today for you. And I, you know, I did not start this, um, start the game, or, or really writing about it or talking about it, with any sense of, of kind of trying to be contrary. You know, I wanted to like this game, and I certainly did. You know, at the start, um, there's a reason why I ended up playing it all the way through, and you know, that's because it started so strongly and there were some elements of it which were so good. Um, but I do wonder if it was ever, you know, if it was just ever possible to live up to the hype. And for me, Horizon, while being a very good game, uh, just didn't quite manage that. So, you know, that's just my opinion. Be interested to hear what anyone else has to say. Um, as I say, I think it's been near universal acclaim, but I'm sure I'm not the only one out there. And um, you know, maybe again, you know, for all the benefits of coming late to these games and, you know, bugs have, bugs have been sort of squashed and, you know, um, prices are much lower and, and in some cases, you know, I've been playing remasters like Uncharted and Last of Us. Um, but yeah, that, that um, issue of expectations, I think, is, um, you know, maybe that's a problem and uh, something to reflect on, certainly. Maybe I should uh, try and hit some things a bit newer so that I get a give them a fairer crack of the whip. So that's what I've been up to for the last few weeks, but there's been plenty of news around as well. Um, and let's start with a new controller um, and some news, PS5 news from Sony. Um, they dropped this week uh, an image of the new DualSense controller. So um, RIP to the DualShock branding. Um, this is the DualSense controller and uh, worth checking out an image. Um, it's quite a radical departure um, and obviously um, with radical change you get quite a mixed reaction. So um, there's been quite a lot of hate for the design. It's um, a sort of two-tone design, mostly white with a little black around the thumbsticks. Um, and also a new shape really for um, Sony's controllers anyway compared to the, the DualShock um, kind of legacy. Um, a little more Xboxy, I think in terms of uh, size and shape from the look of it which for me is no bad thing and um, I actually quite like the design as well. It's um, futuristic kind of look. Um, I think the potential downside is um, it's a bit toy-like um, and so I think particularly for um, 
you know, those of us who are um, maybe a bit older, maybe a bit more mature, they don't go together necessarily, but uh, in, you know, it fits better in into a, a sort of um, front room um, setup if uh, maybe if the controller and the console itself blend in a bit more. So for me, you know, my system is lots of black and silver and um, the uh, Xbox One X and the PS4 um, sit really nicely and don't stand out too much and that's what I'm looking for. I think the downside with this sort of design is um, that it will really stand out and um, yeah, depending on what it looks like in person, um, it could be uh, it could be a bit kind of plasticky and toy-like. So that would be my um, downside. But generally, I think the design is is kind of uh, it's kind of good. Um, I think I'm in the minority though, because the certainly the comments seem to be um, mixed at best and um, largely kind of negative. So we'll see how that goes down. Um, one of the things I think that does stand out is um, it's quite a bold design um, and it really plays into something in fact said, um, let me pull up the quote, so Jim Ryan on the PlayStation blog says this captures just how strongly we feel about making a generational leap with PS5 um, and that really does feel like a, a line in the sand against um, Microsoft's um, kind of evolution type um, messaging so you know Microsoft have talked about not making any um, exclusive games to the new um, generation, so Xbox games will still run on Xbox One X and uh, the S uh, and on PC. Um, so, and also from the controller's point of view, it's it's very much an evolution of the Xbox One uh, controller um, with some really nice new touches. But um, yeah, you can see it as all part of the same family. Um, PlayStation clearly are looking at PS5 as a much um, kind of harsher line, uh, a much um, clearer step into the new generation, and um, you know the references and what they say, and you can see that in the design. So uh, I think that gives us a few clues as to, uh, or reinforces rather, what they've been saying about wanting to distinguish themselves from PS4. Which, given how successful the PS4 has been, that's quite a bold move, I think. So it'll be interesting how that comes off. Um, in terms of functionality, there's some interesting functionality in the controller as well. It's not just how it looks. Um, it will have adaptive triggers, which were mentioned in the um, Wired article from Mark Cerny. Um, so uh, I'm delighted by that. You know, I really like them on PS. Uh, sorry, on Xbox One. Um, not that they get very um, used very often. And um, so I think, yeah, for PlayStation owners, great great functionality um, if they're used and for Xbox owners I think there's now much more chance especially third-party um, games developers will, will use them now on Xbox as well so I think this is good news for both um, you know, players on both systems. Uh, controller also features haptic feedback so um, that will be really interesting how um, that turns out in practice and it's something you'll only really know uh, when people get hands-on with the system and um, we've had some some positive messages coming out of developers saying uh, that it's a, a significant change and a game changer and other uh, similar um, positive notes but uh, we'll have to wait and see ourselves. Um, if you think of HD Rumble on the Switch um, you know it shows that um, sort of more uh, accurate more advanced uh, haptics uh, can be you know, can be used and can make a difference but um, it's just whether they're actually utilised in practice. 
Um, and lastly, the, the other piece of functionality in the controller, which I think is a really good move, is a built-in microphone. Um, you know, it's not going to replace a dedicated headset, and you can still use one, uh, so that's not a problem. But um, in terms of um, in terms of sort of just quick chats or maybe even voice control, I think that's a really good move on Sony's part. Um, and so my only question really is with these haptics, with these uh, adaptive triggers, with the microphone and the existing speaker that's been carried over and the light bar, um, it really does suggest that there's a lot of tech in this controller. Um, and a lot of tech usually translates as expensive. So let's see what the price looks like um, before making too many conclusions on that one. Um, outside of Sony's new controller, um, Phil Spencer's been doing the interview rounds. Uh, he gave um, a couple of interviews to IGN, which I would recommend looking up. Um, the, uh, he spent an hour with IGN Unlocked, or with Ryan uh, McCaffrey from IGN Unlocked. Um, really interesting interview, and there's nothing, nothing, no massive news in there. Um, Phil Spencer is a you know, he's an experienced exec, so he's not going to give away new stuff uh, just in an interview. Um, but he's a really affable character, and I think really interesting hearing him talking about what the team have learned and how confident they are coming into the next generation. Um, he strikes me as a really good boss, I've got to say, outside of gaming. Um, just the way that he, um, you know, really sort of showcases the team and credits the team. Uh, talks about um, how well they can perform as long as they're giving clear direction and time. Um, and I think just the way he talks about other people in his team is, is how you'd want your boss to be. He takes blame uh, personally and he gives credit as a team. So um, yeah, just think it's a really interesting chat one way or another. And then he also gave uh, another half hour's uh, conversation on the Next Gen Console Watch show which covers both Xbox and PlayStation and I think is, again, a, a good half hour to watch each week. Um, it's on podcast, no, it's on YouTube, it's only on YouTube actually, that one. Uh, Unlocked is a podcast as well, so um, worth checking out both of those shows, um, not least because it uh, gives you a flavour of how Microsoft are feeling about Next Gen, uh, it talks about a couple of the things that you might have questions on, um, doesn't give too much away, but it's, it's worth a listen and worth a watch. Outside of uh, those two things, we've got, uh, I think the other big piece of news really this fortnight has been uh, that IGN are going to be running a, a virtual um, virtual event in the summer, and um, this really replaces the, or rather um, fills a gap where E3 um, would have been at first as a real event, um, and obviously it got cancelled uh, due to coronavirus for good reason. Um, but then also, you know, E3 organisers were talking about a, a kind of digital event potentially with their um, exhibitors, and for one reason or another, that clearly hasn't come about. I mean, E3 have now said that there will not be a digital E3 event in the summer, and this IGN event sounds like it's fitting right in that slot. So it will start in June uh, and feature. They've already got a good list of developers, but um, from what a few of the uh, folks over there have been saying they're really confident about some of the developers that they haven't announced as well so it sounds like it will be a big event and um, you know still lots of um, sort of zoom type uh, zoom type videos to, to watch people talking to each other remotely uh, it's just the nature of things um, but we should get some interesting news and reveals as part of that as well so I'm, I'm looking forward to it I think it'll be really interesting to see 
how that goes down. And then finally, um, just some sort of roundup news really, we had a pretty uneventful inside Xbox this week. Um, didn't really cover a great deal, there's some new comps, uh, new releases on uh, Game Pass. Uh, we heard a bit more about uh, the Series X, a bit more about xCloud, although again nothing massive uh, on either of those. Um, and we did also hear some new release dates and you know, can't hide it, they're delays for um, Minecraft Dungeons and Wasteland 3, yeah, both back uh, a month or uh, a few months in Wasteland uh, 3's case. Um, and I think this is just the reality, you know, it's to get these games developed, tested and out the door, it's going to be unpredictable at least for the next few months. So um, I don't think there's any huge surprise in those. I think actually it's more of a surprise if a game can hit its release date at the moment. Um, and on that note, you know, Last of Us 2 and Iron Man VR have both been delayed indefinitely. Uh, now that sounds pretty sort of major, but um, I think based on the um, based on the announcements from both teams, it was it's really more about just not knowing when it's going to be possible to get the sort of um, large scale events that people can get hands on, or getting their um, physical copies of these games shipped out. They just don't know, so they've um, rather than set a new date, they've just said indefinite delay, which. You know, it's a shame, but um, it's fair enough, really. So, again, on the general delay front, I think we'll see more and more of these. Although, um, CD Projekt Red have also come out and said they currently don't don't have any plans to delay the Cyberpunk release any further than I think September is the current date. So that's really good news if they manage to hit that. That suggests that um, they maybe have built in uh, quite a lot of contingency. Uh, when they pushed it back uh, a good few months um, from its original spring date. And then finally we talked about a few delays, um, so it is good news to hear that Final Fantasy uh, Remake, Final Fantasy 7 Remake, uh, launched today uh, as of recording 10th of April, so uh, if you pre-ordered that game hopefully you've either got it, because uh, some copies did go out early, uh, or you will get it very shortly, um, and so there's definitely something there to play um, for anyone who is uh, stuck inside, self-isolating, or just doing the right thing, staying in, um, helping to control the spread of this thing. And you know, Final Fantasy Remake is uh, it's not a bad way to spend uh, 30 or so hours. And one of my uh, Jump Cut colleagues actually got the um, got their disc quite early, about a week ago. Uh, and has been very good in not spoiling things, but has really, really enjoyed themselves. So if you've got that, or you are planning to get a Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, I hope you have fun with it. And um, it sounds like there's about 30 hours worth of fun to have. So that'll be it for this episode. I think um, really enjoyed chatting about Horizon, really interested to hear your thoughts. Um, I'm sure I will get some pushback to this because obviously it's a very well regarded game. Um, as I say I enjoyed it but um, I thought there were more issues with the game than I was expecting so uh, yeah interested to hear what you guys think. Um, and then just rapidly going through those pieces of news, still plenty going on in the world so even though it's kind of quiet and everyone quite rightly is staying in and please stay in and stay safe um, still plenty to talk about each episode and I will be back to do that again in a couple of weeks time. Okay, take care. Bye.